This morning we're going to look at Psalm 116. So if you have a Bible, please do turn there. And the title I've given to this morning's message is Help for the Helpless. Help for the Helpless. This is Psalm 116. And I thought, we'll read it up front. I'll read it up front to us. uh, And then we'll dive into it together. Psalm 116, verse 1. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompass me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful psalm? For those of you that grew up kind of around the time I did in the 80s, or maybe you were just alive in the 80s, and you can remember these times, one of the great movie slogans of my childhood was, who are you going to call? Anyone know? Ghostbusters. Okay. Uh, And in fact, when we were young, we were told, not to call the Ghostbusters actually, but we were told to call all sorts of different people in different emergencies. And so kids again today, if you see a crime, call the police. If you have an accident, we call an ambulance. If you set your house on fire, you call the fire brigade. And if you get into trouble at sea, you want to call the Coast Guard. And the emergency services are obviously a great deal of help. More help than Ghostbusters, because they're just made up. But the emergency services are a great deal of help in specific, practical life emergencies. But the question that Psalm 116 poses to us is, who are we going to call on in our daily troubles and difficulties. Who are we going to turn to for help in life's big challenges and small challenges? Who are we ultimately going to trust our, entrust our lives to and our cares to and even our deaths to? Who are we going to call? And in this psalm, the psalmist tells us precisely who it is that he calls on in his helplessness. Verse 2, I will call on the Lord as long as I live. I will call on the Lord as long as I live. And the psalmist, he calls on the Lord with eagerness and gladness. 
The, the clue to how to read this psalm, the, the clue to the tone of this psalm, I think is there in verse 1, when the psalmist says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. This is a psalm that's written with tears of joy and gratefulness and love. And here's what so stoked the fires of the psalmist's love for God, that whenever he's helpless and calls upon the Lord, the Lord hears him and helps him. Verse 1, he heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. So what this psalm is going to teach us this morning, so simply and beautifully, is this. You have to sum up this morning's sermon in one sentence. When the helpless believer calls on God... He always hears and helps them. When the helpless believer calls on God, he always hears and helps them. I've got three headings for us this morning. Uh, First of all, we're going to see the psalmist crying out to the Lord for help. Then the Lord responding with bountiful help. And thirdly, the psalmist crying out for help again. First of all, then, the psalmist cries out to the Lord for help. Uh, We don't know exactly what it is that the psalmist has been going through here. We don't know the nature of his trouble. But he does describe his experience of suffering. He he tells us how he felt in the midst of this suffering. Verse 3, the snares of death encompass me. The pangs of Sheol, that's the grave, laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Verse 6 and verse 10, he says, I was brought low and I was greatly afflicted. The psalmist found himself in a place of desperate hopelessness, desperate helplessness. Perhaps death itself would come knocking at his door or something else that seemed to him almost as awful. He was filled with anguish and distress. He was overwhelmed with a sense of need. So what did he do? And what should we do when we're confronted by our own helplessness in the big things and in the small? What should we do? Perhaps... We feel helpless right now to know how we're going to make ends meet between now and the end of the year. Maybe we feel helpless right now to fix a problem at work or a problem at home. Maybe we are feeling helpless this morning to keep fighting a particular pattern of sin in our lives. Maybe we feel helpless to heal the wounds of a damaged relationship. Maybe we feel helpless in the face of sickness or even death. No one likes to feel helpless, but it's not actually a bad thing for us when we see our helplessness. Because the reality is we are helpless in so many things. It comes with being finite creatures, not the infinite creator. We are creatures, and it's really God's mercy to us to be reminded of our helplessness. But the question is, where will we turn when we see our helplessness? How do we respond when helplessness helplessness knocks at our door? As I've considered my own heart and behavior and the way I react to helplessness in my life, I I realize there are a number of unhelpful places that we probably all turn when we're confronted by our helplessness. We can turn, first of all, to Uh, self-reliance. I can fix this. I've got to fix this. It's all on me. I'll endure it. I'll ride it out. I'll make it right somehow. We can turn to constant worry. We can worry incessantly about something. We become fixated on it and obsessed with it so that we can't think about anything else or or deal with anyone else. And thirdly, we can resort to distraction. We can go looking for short bursts of distraction 
For comfort, we look to food or social media, online shopping, endless YouTube videos, or binge-watching a TV series. And yet, none of these things, self-reliance, constant worry, many distractions, none of these things ever provide lasting help or relief for us in our helplessness, do they? Has that been your experience? It's been mine. These things never provide lasting relief. Even though they're well-trodden paths that our hearts repeatedly go down, there's no real help or lasting comfort in them for our helplessness. But the psalmist this morning is modelling for us a far better way. He turns to the only person who can truly help the helpless. There's only one person who can truly help the helpless. In every time of need, verse 4, I called on the name of the Lord. And then you see what a simple cry for help it is too. I love how beautifully simple this is. He says, O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. See, the psalmist, he, he doesn't, he knows he's got to call on the Lord. He doesn't then think, okay, I've got to bargain with God. I've got to, Lord, do this for me and then I'll do something for you. Do this for me and I'll do better in this for you. He doesn't present his merits to God. Oh Lord, please help me and here's why you should help me. He doesn't prepare a great eloquent prayer to persuade God. Oh, oh Lord, hear how pious and holy and earnest I am in the way that I'm praying to you now and asking for help. No, all he brings with him is his desperation and his need. And all that he asks is that God would deliver him from his helplessness. And as a result of that simple prayer, second heading for this morning, the Lord responds with bountiful help. The Lord responds with bountiful help. Just listen again to the joy and the relief that is in the psalmist's voice. Verse 1, he heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. He inclined his ear to me. The Lord is not a lifeless idol. He's not a god of wood or stone or glass and silicon like our phones. He's not a God who can neither see nor hear nor act. No, he is the living God who hears the prayers of his people and can act on our behalf. Verse 6, he carries on. When I was brought low, he saved me. Verse 8, he has delivered my soul from death. My eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. And the result, he says, is real, genuine comfort and rest for his once anxious soul. Verse 7, he now turns and talks to his soul. Soul, you can return to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. It strikes me that so many of the things we seek help for, seek refuge in when we're helpless, look attractive to us in the moment because they seem to offer some kind of rest. That's why they appeal to us when we're struggling. They, they appear to offer some kind of rest. We, we don't necessarily think that these things are actually going to solve our problems, but they seem at least to promise momentary comfort and relief and escape. But oh, what superior comfort and relief God promises to those who simply turn to him. He is able to preserve and save and give us real rest. And having experienced the Lord's help, the psalmist says, my soul is able to find rest. When we cast our anxieties on God, we can truly rest from all our worries. 
But why does God respond like this? We might wonder, why why does God respond like this to our prayers? Why does he offer such help to the helpless? Well, the, the first reason is simply this. This is what God is like. This is what God is like. This isn't God acting out of character when he shows mercy to the helpless. He doesn't do it just this one time, okay, I'll act in and out of the ordinary way and I'll help you just this one time. This is what our God is like. This is who he is. And the psalmist knows it from experience. Verse 5, he says, Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. Our God is a God who hears and helps the simple. He hears and helps those who are willing to depend on him with simple childlike dependence to come to him as their father in heaven. He is the Lord who covenants himself to his people. He redeems us. He upholds us because he is unchanging and he's always true to himself. He never stops being this God the psalmist describes, gracious, righteous, and merciful. Not for one single moment of our lives. He is always this God. We, are, we all have some days, don't we, that go worse than others. Days when we feel particularly worn down and overwhelmed by our cares. But we'll never catch God on an off day. I have lots of off days. God never has an off day. His character and his disposition towards us is forever the same. As off as our day might feel, he is always the same Always the God who hears and preserves the helpless. But even then, we might think, okay, yes, this is what God is like, but but what if he might be reluctant to help me? Reluctant to hear my cry for help because of all my sin. My past sin, my present sin, even the things I'm struggling and being tempted by right now. What if he's unwilling to help me because I, of all people, feel like I'm the most unworthy in all the world? What reason is there then to think that still this God will always hear and help us, even when we're the worst of sinners that we know? Well, the reason we can be so sure that God always hears and helps is that he always, he always hears us because of Jesus. Jesus once said in John 11, verse 42, he, he lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. So Jesus knew that his father always heard him. Now we might go, well, of course, he's the son of God and he's sinless and perfect. Of course, God, of course God, the father, was always going to hear his son. Well, the father always heard and always hears the prayers of his son Jesus, except on one occasion. On that one occasion when Jesus cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he, the sinless son of God, was met with stone-cold silence from heaven. There was no help or deliverance for the son in that moment. And we, we have to ask the question, why did the cries and the anguish of Jesus on the cross go unanswered? Why was he, of all people, not delivered from the snares of death? Not delivered from the pangs of Sheol when he cried out. It was so that from that moment... Every prayer of every believer who calls on the name of the Lord will be heard. 
The Lord will always hear us and help us when we call on his name. Unworthy as we might be, we're always unworthy. Sometimes we just feel that unworthiness more. That's actually a good thing. But he will always hear us because of that day, 2,000 years ago, when he chose not to respond to the anguished cries of his son from the cross. Are you a Christian here this morning? If so, God always hears your prayers. No matter how weak or guilty, condemned or abandoned we feel, he always inclines his ear to you. He's already delivered our souls from death, our eyes from tears, our feet from falling, and he will go on doing so day after day until that final day when he will take away every trouble and every pain forever. He even hears us when we feel completely consumed and so overwhelmed that we, we struggle to even articulate our prayer. We don't know what to pray for or, or, or what we might say to him or, or how he might help us. And you know those times, sometimes our prayers can be such a, a, an incoherent muddle, almost inaudible. Verse 2 says he inclines his ear to us. What that means is the God, the God of all heaven and earth, the one who rules all things and sustains all things, he is willing to stoop as low as necessary to get down into the dirt with us, even down into the very grave itself, in order to hear our voice and be our unfailing help. Spurgeon describes this, he says, the figure here seems to be that of a tender physician or loving friend leaning over a sick man whose voice is faint and scarcely audible so as to catch every accent and whisper. When our prayer is very feeble, so that we ourselves can scarcely hear it and question whether we do pray or not, yet God bows a listening ear and regards our supplications. This is the Lord's heart to every single one of his children. And then verse 15 tells us something more about the measure of God's love for us the measure of his care for us, it says that even our deaths are precious to him. They are no small thing to him. Verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. We might expect that at no time in our earthly lives will we perhaps feel more helpless than on our deathbeds. We know that death is approaching. uh, And some of us, uh, perhaps many of us at times have felt fearful of that day. How will, I, how will I cope in that moment if I know that death is coming? I feel so helpless, like no one around me can help me. Well, here's the truth of this psalm. God draws particularly close to his people when they are dying and brings with him the very greatest help. Now, it's hard to imagine it, I know, ahead of time, but his comfort and consolation in the moment each of us faces death will be more full of his presence and tender care than perhaps we've ever known before if he prepares to take us home. Many, many saints, many Christians down the centuries have testified to that fact, that on their deathbeds, Jesus feels closer to them than ever before. He stoops down and inclines his ear to them. Spurgeon again writes, they shall not die prematurely, they shall be immortal till their work is done, and when their time shall come to die, then their deaths shall be precious. The Lord watches over their dying beds, smooths their pillows, sustains their hearts and receives their souls. Those who are redeemed with precious blood are so dear to God 
that even their deaths are precious to him. So in all of life, all of life, and even in the face of death, we can cast all of our anxieties on him, all of our helplessness, all of our needs, big and small, every day, because he cares for us. The psalmist cries out to the Lord for help. The Lord responds with bountiful help. And finally, the psalmist tells us how he responds to God's help. Third heading, the psalmist cries out for help again. The psalmist cries out for help again. Verse 16, what shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits to me? The psalmist is asking, how can I show my gratitude to God? What, what can I do in return? Can I repay him? What can I do? How can I respond? Now, he knows that God cannot be repaid for his grace. God is not looking for us to pay off his saving grace like we might pay off a mortgage or pay off a loan. Salvation and, then, and every answered prayer that then runs throughout our Christian lives is a gift of grace paid in full already by Jesus. And therefore, the only way to show gratitude to the Lord for all of his benefits is by thanking him and asking him for help once again. Three times the psalmist tells us this. I love the repetition here. Just so we get this, he wants us to understand this. Verse 12, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation. He's going to give thanks for his salvation and call on the name of the Lord. Verse 17, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. Verse 2, because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The psalmist calls on the Lord, the Lord helps, and so the psalmist gives thanks and calls on the Lord again. And the Lord helps again. And the psalmist calls on the Lord again. And so this cycle continues. The Lord helps. And the psalmist calls again. We never stop being helpless and dependent upon God. And we never need worry that we're asking God for help too often. Uh, There's no daily limit for us. Um, Kids sometimes... uh, uh, Let's be careful on this. Kids, uh, there is no daily limit on how often you can ask for your parents' help. But sometimes it might seem like after you've asked them 10, 20, 30 times, they seem a little bit... Uh, impatient or irritable about it. Uh, well, that's, they need to work on that. Uh, I need to work on that as a parent. But, but God is never irritable or annoyed that we've come back to him. Oh, he is glad when we run to him again and again and again on a single day and ask, for him, ask him for help in every little thing and big thing that we face. We never need worry that we're asking God for help too often. God answers us once to encourage us back a second time, and then a third time, and a fourth time, and a 500th time as well. Christians don't grow more independent as we mature. That's not what the Christian life is about. We don't start out helpless, God saves us, and then the aim of the Christian life is we become uh, more independent, so we can stand on our own two feet better uh, by the end of our Christian lives. No, it's quite the opposite. We're meant to grow more God-dependent as we grow as Christians. That's what a mature Christian looks like. One who has known the salvation of God, how God helps us in our helplessness, and then over the years has run to him again and again, is getting quicker at going to God for help, going to God for help in even the smaller things as well as the big things. That is a growing Christian, growing in God dependence. Because the more God dependent we become, the more we run to him for help, 
the more we glorify and honour him for his goodness and mercy. Some of you will be familiar, you've heard it before, the, the fountain illustration, but it's such a good one. The question is posed, how best do you honour a fountain that provides the most refreshing, overflowing, unending supply of crystal clear drinking water? How, how do you honour a fountain like that? You, you've never tasted anything like it before, it's amazing. How do you honour it after drinking from it? Not by scooping up a little cup of water from a dirty puddle and going back to the fountain so you can put something back in. No, you most honour the fountain by going back with your empty cup to drink from its glorious waters again and again and again. You, you honour the fountain by making that fountain your daily, hourly source of refreshment and life. We most honour and glorify the fountain when we return to drink from it again and again. And we most honour and glorify the mercy and kindness of God when we return to ask him for help again and again and again. John Newton once wrote a hymn based on verses 12 and 13 of this psalm. And this should come up on the screen. Let me read this because he captures this so well. For mercies countless as the sands which daily I receive from Jesus, my Redeemer's hands, my soul, what will you give? Alas, from such a heart as mine, what can I bring him forth? My best is stained and dyed with sin. My all is nothing worth. Yet this acknowledgement I'll make for all he has bestowed. Salvation's sacred cup I'll take and call upon my God. The best return for one like me, so wretched and so poor, is from his gifts to draw a plea and ask him still for more. There's a line to go home with that ringing in our minds. Ask him still for more. And then final verse. I cannot serve him as I ought. No works have I to boast. Yet would I glory in the thought that I should owe him most. Our lives should be lived, if we're going to live our lives well, they should be lived in constant dependence on him, asking him for help in so many things that we can glory in the thought that we owe him most. Most of all, of course, for the saved, our salvation that he's given us in Christ, but then most as well for all of the daily mercies he's shown us because he's heard our every prayer. When we're confronted with our helplessness, when we're weighed down with our need, who are we going to call the one who's given us mercies countless as the sand, which daily we receive from our Redeemer's hands. Let's call on the name of the Lord as long as we live. Let's ask him still for more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we thank you that you are forever the helper of the helpless. We thank you that you are forever gracious, just, faithful, merciful, generous, and kind. Oh Lord, that your help is inexhaustible and without measure, even to sinners such as us. And all because Jesus was forsaken so that we would never be forgotten. Oh Lord, we pray this morning, it is our prayer together, help us to know even more keenly our own helplessness. And help us to know from ever-increasing experience your bountiful help and your care and your nearness to us. Lord, we do pray especially for anyone here this morning who feels completely overwhelmed by helplessness today. 
for helplessness, anxiety or fear this morning. Lord, we call out to you on their behalf. Would you help them and provide for them in their time of great need? Please help their souls, Lord, and our souls to find rest again in you, in your love and in your strength and in your cup of your salvation. Oh Lord, we love you and we love the mercies that you have poured out upon our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.